one very obvious point of true wisdom as it's given to us in the Proverbs and indeed throughout the rest of, of Scripture is that words matter. Words are important. Words make a difference. Words as the chief means of communication, whether they are, are spoken or whether they are written, whether they are thought or, thought or, just, ex, or just thought or expressed, they have incredible power and impact both in our own lives and in society as a whole. That old saying, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me, that is a bold-faced lie. <laughs> Throw it out the window. It'd be better if we said, sticks and stones can only break my bones, but words can either destroy or heal. The common saying we've all heard probably said to others, be careful what you say is important because, because words matter to us because they matter to God. Proverbs says, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. It is wise to think before we speak. And most of us here can likely recall a time, probably in the most recent uh, past, where something someone has said, maybe it's a parent or a, a teacher or a spouse or a coworker or a friend, maybe something we ourselves have said to someone has had profound impact on our lives for either positive or negative. Understanding the significance and the powerful impact of what we say and how we say it and listening and pursuing God's wisdom with our words is absolutely vital for us. It's absolutely essential because God is vitally concerned with our mouth and our tongue. We often stress the importance of what goes into our mouth, healthy food, clean air, clean water, but God is much more concerned with what comes out of our mouth. Jesus said, it's not what goes in the mouth that defiles a person, but it's what comes out of the mouth. So my prayer is that as we, we seek God's wisdom for our words, he will make us the kind of people whose speech truly is seasoned with grace whose lips bear the fruit of, of righteousness and love and speak life and health to those around us. And the first thing I want us to see is just the fact that your words have power. Your words have the power of life and death, Proverbs says in, in verse 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. Our words have incredible power for either good or for evil. They have the power to build up, to nourish, to, to give life like, like healthy food, or they can tear down, they can wound, they can cause destruction, even kill like a, like a sword. Our words can really be, literally be weapons of mass destruction. Lives have been needlessly taken because of harsh words spoken and lives have been saved because of an encouraging word spoken. Many a young person has, has been either encouraged towards success or crushed into failure by the words of a, a parent or a teacher or a coach. The Bible repeatedly warns against false teachers whose words lead their listeners astray down a, a road to destruction. In fact, the first and most destructive of false teachers in the Bible, remember who he is? Satan, who in the garden took God's word and he twisted it. 
in order to deceive, in order to, 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 uh, to tempt, tempt man into sin. And I don't think we realize how incredibly powerful our words are, which is why God places such an emphasis on wise use of the tongue. Now, when the Bible speaks of the tongue or the mouth or the lips, just like it does when, last week when we looked at the heart, it's not, it's not speaking just of the physical parts of the body, but the function which they have, and namely that of speaking or communicating. And in today's world, it's important for us to note, particularly here this morning, that that, uh, that applies to the written word as well as to the spoken word. Whether in letters or emails or texts or tweets or, or posts and comments on social media, Proverbs, the Proverbs about the tongue apply to all of our communication. Not just what we say, but all the ways we communicate with words. And James speaks of the power of the tongue relative to its size by equating it to a bridle that can turn a powerful horse or, or a rudder that can move a large ship. I don't know if you've ever ridden a horse, but a horse is a big animal. And as you're riding down the, the, the path or whatever, all you have to do with that rein is just pull on it just a little bit and that horse will turn right or left. If you've ever driven a boat, you know it's just one small movement can, can put you off course or on course in a large ship. And likewise, the Bible says just a small change in what we say or how we say it, it can alter the whole direction of a situation. It can, it can change a whole relation, relationship. It can affect a person's life. Now, why are words so powerful? What can, why can what we say or what someone else says to us have such an incredible effect in our lives? Because words, language, is the means that God has given us for communicating everything. <laughs> words literally give voice to what we believe, to what we are, are thinking, to what we know, to how we feel. Words enable us to share not just, not just information, but they enable us to share ourselves, our very being with one another. If you think about it, how does God share himself with us? Words, right? <laughs> By his word. He spoke and the world came into being. God's creation by which, by which every person sees and knows that God exists is a result of God speaking, of his word, his creative word. And then he sent his son Jesus who, who as we saw earlier, John calls the word, the living word who was with him in the beginning and who is wisdom from God. And, and that word, that communication from God became flesh and dwelt among us so that we might not just hear, but we might see and touch and relate to who God is. John's reference to Jesus as the word is to say that Jesus is God communicated. <laughs> he is the person of God given to us. God brings about man's redemption. Through what? Through the gospel. The good news, the good word of Jesus Christ. And how does he do it? As we proclaim it. As we speak it. As we share it. As we put it to words so others can hear and understand. God gave us words to communicate with one another. And if you think about it, it really is truly amazing, isn't it? 
We, different than any other uh, uh, creature in God's creation, we have that, that, the ability, the, the attribute of God to, to know and to understand and to communicate with sounds and syllables and give meaning to things and understand very deep and complex, intricate thoughts and concepts and feelings. Proverbs 18.4 says, The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. There's more to communication than just sounds, than just information. There are things to be probed. There's meaning to be understood. There are things hidden under the surface to, to be brought forth and discovered, which is why things are so often misunderstood in communication. Words are powerful, powerful, because we need them. They are essential to us. In many ways, we live by words. Proverbs says they are like fruit that satisfies the stomach, like honey that brings sweetness to the soul, that brings health to the body. Jesus himself noted this when, when in response to, to Satan to, to make bread out of stones in order to feed his, his physical hunger, Jesus says to him, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. More important than food for our bodies is food for our souls, and that food is communicated through words. And that is why those words have such power. They have such potential for us, either for good or for evil. Evil Words either to bring life or to deliver death. Proverbs 10, 11 says, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Verse 21, the lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. And so the power of words is, is life, or it can be destructive and death for us. Which means we need to cultivate words that lead to life. That's the second point. We need to cultivate, use the power of those words and cultivate wise words that lead to life. So how do we become a people whose conversation and communication bubbles up into a fountain of life? How do we become that person whom people love to talk to because what comes out of our mouth is like refreshing water in a drought <laughs> or, or like soothing balm to a wound? Well, we do that by, lead, by cultivating words that lead to life. Proverbs is filled with wisdom regarding the, the character or the nature of our words. And, and we, could, we could spend hours going through all the different ways that, that Proverbs says our words help or, or hurt. But perhaps the best way to understand it is, is what it says is to look at the contrast between those words that spring up to life and, and words that drag down to death life-giving words versus death-delivering words and, and look at it in, in several categories. And I found there were five categories or contrasts uh, given by Tim Keller in some writing he did on words that I found helpful. And the first one is honest words versus deceptive words. Honest words versus deceptive words. Life-giving words are filled with truth, whereas death-delivering words deceive Proverbs 12, 19 says, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is for a moment. In Proverbs 6, 16, where it lists six things that the Lord hates, two of them are lying. <laughs> 
Two of them, two of the six, are lying. Proverbs 12, says, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. We live in a culture where lying just seems normal, doesn't it? It's just now, uh, it's almost not even, it's almost expected. We no longer flinch when someone is dishonest. We take for granted that what we hear or read in the media is like, is likely going to be skewed or misrepresented by words or facts that are taken out of context. Life-giving words are words that are true, that are honest, that, re- that reflect what is, what is faithful and real. They are words that aren't just technically true, but words that, that reflect reality and how things truly are. You can, you can speak words that are technically true, but you can do so in a way that is deceptive, can't you? Politicians are great at it. But so are most of us, if we're honest. I didn't eat that cookie that you just baked. I ate the one that you baked 15 minutes ago. <laughs> honest words bring life because they reflect the character of God who is truth. Lying or deceptive words lead to destruction because they seek to, they seek to conceal. They seek to distort what is true or the way things are. And eventually... We all know this, our lies will catch up with us. They will catch up with us. I have seen it in marriages. I've seen it in friendships. I've seen it with children. I've seen it in professional or work situations. There is nothing, nothing that can destroy a relationship or ruin circumstances quicker than dishonesty or deception. And there is nothing that builds up a a relationship and helps a situation quicker than trust that comes from honesty and truthful words. So cultivating words that lead to life mean first and foremost being truthful and honest in what we say rather than seeking to be deceptive. So honest versus deceptive. Second, gentle versus harsh. Life-giving words are spoken with kindness rather than harshness. Proverbs 15.1 We've all heard this one. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. How true is that? How true is that? And down in verse four, a gentle tongue is a tree of life. Now, there's no question that in today's society, just as we've lost that sense of of honesty, we've also lost any sense of civility. Harshness and contempt is the mood of the day and words of anger, criticism, personal attack. They just, they flood everything we hear on the airwaves, on the internet, even in personal conversations. They come up regularly. You can't watch a a show or listen to a debate or sit through an interview or newscast, it seems, without at some point hearing a sarcastic or a cutting remark or a string of curse words thrown out or bleeped out. And we ourselves, again, are not innocent. So-called fighting words are common parlance in everyday speech such that, that people now find them often entertaining rather than offensive. Our cancel culture has promoted the practice of the one who shouts the loudest and hits the hardest with their words wins. 
Now, some would say, well, people are just being honest. People are just telling it like it is. You want to you wanna be honest? You want to tell things like they are? Just, just let people know what you think about them or just let people know what they've done and how, how it's affected you. And, and, and we need to be careful that civility doesn't mask honesty. We need to be careful that Proverbs warns about the danger of flattery where we might, we might speak kind words but really be harboring different in our heart. We Southerners have the perfected the art of serving up criticism and making it sound like a compliment. But that can be just as harsh. Gentle speech is that which is motivated not to harm but to, to love. Being willing to listen. Being willing to, to understand another person's perspective in order to speak in respectful and measured and, uh, words and tones. And yes, at times... In love to overlook or not respond to an offense. How often did Jesus diffuse a situation, counter a harsh attack to him by speaking the truth, but doing it in a manner that just totally unnerved his opponents (laughs) in a way in which caused them to not be able to come back and to continue the fight. As a parent, it's much harder to reach the heart of our children if our communication with them is characterized by loud or sarcastic or, or cutting harsh speech rather than controlled, measured, loving, gentle speech. So life-giving words are, we, we can just say life-giving words are characterized by the fruit of the Spirit, aren't they? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, So we cultivate life-giving words by, by cultivating gentle versus harsh words. Number three, careful versus careless words. Life-giving words are spoken carefully at the right time and in the right way. Proverbs 15, 23 says, To make an apt answer is a joy to a man, a word in season, how good it is. Different people respond in different ways and sometimes we have to choose what we say or how we say it to fit the person to whom we are speaking. I know as a, as a father, I remember there were times when I needed to step in quickly with one of my boys and address an issue head on right then and there. And then I can remember other times where I would sense that, that now is not the right time to talk about this and we need to come back to this in a different time outside of the situation. And it can be different with different kids if you're a parent, how you, how you approach each of your children. Same is true in a marriage. Same is true in a friendship. Same is true in dealing with conflict. Bringing a word in season means knowing what is appropriate to say and when to say it. When do you plant summer flowers? Not in December, right? <laughs> You don't plant them in December. Likewise, you might, you might not talk about how great your investments are going with someone who is, is having financial struggles right now. You might not go on and on and on about your kids with, with friends who are struggling with infertility. Sometimes the most careful and well-timed thing that we can do is not to say anything at all, but just to listen, to be present, to be there. Sometimes silence speaks loudly. At other times, we may need to step in and say something, even if it's uncomfortable. And, and, and we, we, being careful can also, again, being truthful can mean that we deal with a difficult 
situation and speak to someone personally. But here again, the key is sensitivity. Knowing, understanding, be attuned to, to both the people you're talking with as well as the situation in order that we can speak fitting, well-timed words in a situation. Often when I'm going to have a difficult conversation or when I'm sending an email, I'll, I'll actually write things out beforehand and then I'll wait. And then I'll go back to it and look at it again and read it again in order to be sure that I'm being careful with what I say depending on who I'm saying it to and what the situation is. And so we need to, we need to cultivate careful versus careless words. And number four, forthright versus secretive. And what do I mean by that? Much of what we've already said or, and more can fit into these two categories, but life-giving speech is forthright. It's courageous enough to address things head on rather than not dealing with them or worse yet, talking with others about them Proverbs has a great deal to say about the gossip. One who is willing to pass on information about a person to others without dealing forthrightly with that person themselves. Proverbs refers to this person as a whisperer or a one who reveals secrets or a slanderer. And this kind of talk usually begins with something like, don't tell anyone I told you this, but. Or I'm getting this from somebody else, so I just want you to know that, but. <laughs> Proverbs twenty six twenty says, for lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. <laughs> Gossip, secretive conversation, is like fuel to a fire, and as James says, it can quickly get out of control. It can cause great damage, but life-giving speech is that which is willing to be, to be forthright, to be direct, and to speak the truth in love. The good rule, as we've all heard it, is if you're not willing to say it to a person's face, then you probably shouldn't say it to anyone's face. Now that doesn't mean we might not go to someone for advice about a, a situation or how to deal with some uh, particular person, but it should be in the spirit of dealing directly with that situation, of going to that person to, to address certain things. And the flip side of that is there are things we need to say to people directly that may be hard, but should be done. So we have to balance this with, with being sensitive and in season with our speech, but we have to be willing to, to be forthright, to speak up front and open with people directly when necessary. Proverbs 27.5 says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. So sometimes being forthright means we have to correct. But doing so in a spirit of love can actually be a, a good thing rather than talking to lots of others about it. So being forthright versus secretive. And last, words that lead to life are economical versus excessive. Life-giving words are like gems in mounds of rock. They are precious and they are few. Proverbs 10, 19 says, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. For you to really be speaking words that are honest, words that are gentle, words that are well-timed and in season, words that are forthright and with purpose, 
then you can't be someone who is always speaking. <laughs> it's like a machine gun versus sniper, fight, a sniper rifle. One causes lots of collateral damage, while the other usually hits its target. The person who is constantly talking is going to inevitably say things that are harmful rather than helpful. And one of the reasons words are so powerful is that you can't take them back. You can't take them back. Once they're out there, they're out there. So the more you put out there, the more you are likely at some point to regret it. Life-giving words are not excessive. Some of the wisest people I know are people who actually don't talk very much. And when they do, their words are measured. They are, they are words that count. They are speech that is considered before it is said. In order to cultivate words that lead to life, some of us need to quiet down, speak less. So those who are just a, a, a few ways we can cultivate words that are life-giving rather than life-threatening or, or death-delivering. Speak honestly. Speak gently or kindly. Speak carefully. Speak forthrightly. And speak economically. Ephesians 4 says, Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is good for building up. And so our words have the power of life and death, and we need to be serious about cultivating life-giving words. And the third point I want to make is your words reveal the state of your heart. In order to, to cultivate life-giving words, we can't just change what our mouths say because our words reveal something deeper. The tongue has the ability to reveal what's going on in, in our heart, in our soul, in our inner self. Our words, as well as our thoughts and deeds, issue from the heart. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 12. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So our words are, are simply a window, if you will, into the state of our hearts. Our words reveal our heart's condition, much like a thermometer reveals the temperature in the room. When you speak out in anger, it's not just that you've, you've uttered angry words. There's something deeper going on inside. Something is being threatened that is, that is causing those angry words to come out. When you are deceptive in your speech, it's not just that your words aren't true. It's an indication that your, your heart is trying to hide something. You, are, you, you don't value the truth. When you're willing to gossip about another or spread rumors, it's an indication that deep down inside, you don't really care about that person. You just wanna, you wanna make yourself look good or you wanna be right in a particular situation. If we're not speaking or receiving words that are life-giving, then it's an indication that something needs to change, but it's not just our words. It's something inside. Proverbs 16, 23 says, the heart of the wise man makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Jesus, again, in Matthew 12 said, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. In other words, life-giving words will not flow from a dead, cold heart. They will flow from a heart that is alive. If your speech is characterized by things like deception or harshness or carelessness or gossip or flattery, then it's an indicative that there needs not just to be a change of speech patterns, but literally a change of heart. Jesus goes on to say in Matthew 12, 36 to 37, 
I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. That's a hard word. (laughs) Many have learned the hard way that things they posted on social media years ago have come back to haunt them. Well, brothers and sisters, one day, every careless word we have uttered we will be reminded of and be held, account, be held to account for them. That's how important and powerful words are. And you look, hear that and you say, well, that's not very encouraging, Warren. Where's the hope in that? Well, the hope is twofold. First, the answer to the problem of our speech is not found in our just trying harder, <laughs> in our just cleaning up our mouths, in our just uh, saying things in a different way. It will not be long, bef- if, we, if we only just try to improve our speech, it won't be long before we're even more frustrated and depressed at our lack of progress. Now, that's not to say we shouldn't strive and work towards cultivating those life-giving words in our life, but it's not just about working harder at speaking better. That's the first bit of good news. You're not going to change that on your own. Jesus says in John 6, 63, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. And when Jesus asks his disciples if they want to go, Peter replies to him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And so, so that's the, the second aspect of hope. The first is we can't change ourselves, but the second is Jesus can change us. And Jesus has changed us. And for our words to be life-giving words, they have to be rooted in the living word. The only hope for our words is to have our life-giving words rooted in the word of Jesus Christ, the one who is the word. Ultimately, our speech and words will change only when our hearts are changed by Jesus. Jesus came to speak words of life to us, to be the word of life for us. You see, sin is such that it severs the lines of communication. That's what, that's, that's what happens when we, when we use words that are, are not life-giving. Communication breaks down. And our sin has has severed the line of communication that we were created for and that we have with God. God spoke his word of truth and grace and love and joy to us and we refused to listen. But rather we decided to set our own agenda, to speak our own minds. And one of the harshest things someone can do to us is to to sever all communication, to totally to totally give us the silent treatment, to turn their back on us, to refuse to to hear or listen to us. And yet, brothers and sisters, in sin, that's in essence what we do to God. And out of our sinful hearts flow careless words that produce violence and hatred and lust and lying and harshness and death and destruction. But God, but God, through his son Jesus He repairs that broken connection. He restores the the signal, so to speak. Jesus comes and he not only speaks life-giving words and all that he says and all that he does such that the, the people who heard him said, we have never heard anyone speak like this. 
but he was willing to, to take that severed connection that we have with God because of sin. He was willing to take it upon himself in order to reconnect us so that God's word could once again flow to us and through us. Jesus on the cross was literally forsaken by God. All communication cut off for us, for you, and for me. So that we who deserved to be cut off would once again come to God, once again hear from the Father, once again hear life-giving words. Jesus was willing to have God's back turned on him in order that we might be able to once again look God in the face and receive his words of grace and mercy and truth and life. Thus, when we see that Jesus is the living and the life-giving word, when we understand that in him and in him alone are found everything our heart desires to hear and know from God, when we realize that only his word can truly satisfy our hunger to be known and, and to know, only his word can, can satisfy our desire for truth and for what is good and right, only then... Only when we recognize that Jesus' sacrifice for us restores that connection, only then can we receive the word from God that says, I love you. I forgive you. I accept you. I am pleased with you. See, Jesus bears that, that condemnation for every careless word that we will be held to account for, but when we stand before the throne of judgment, he will say, I got that one. Oh, and that careless word, I got that one too. And this one, and this one, and this one. He has borne the punishment for our sin and every careless word that we have spoken. And we are justified ultimately, not by our words, but by God's word that says, because of my son Jesus, I declare you righteous. You are justified because of what I have done, not because of what you have done or said. And when we receive that word from God, suddenly our hearts are filled with life-giving words that flow out to others. When you know that Jesus in his gentleness bore God's anger and wrath for you on the cross, your heart has to be changed in such a way that you will be gentle with others. When you realize that Jesus was betrayed, he was deceived, he was lied about, he was slandered for you, yet he never spoke anything but truth, it changes your heart to, to desire to speak the truth in all things. And you see, when our hearts are connected to the life-giving word, the true fountain of life that is Jesus Christ, then our mouths will be transformed into fountains of life through which God can speak his truth, love, grace, and joy to others. So where do we start? First, a couple things to close. Identify areas where you struggle with your tongue. Write them down. I, lie, I, I speak angry words. I struggle with lying or being deceiving. Harsh words, gossip, flattery, cursing. Start by recognizing and, and actually naming the issue. We think of the kind of the worst sins being those that are committed by the body, but the, the, some of the worst are the things we do with our tongues. And so 
Put those down and then, go, then come to God and confess that struggle. Seek his forgiveness. Ask him to, to change not just the patterns of your speech, but to do it by changing your heart towards those things that cause that kind of speech. Give your tongue to him. Put the, put the reins of your life in God's hands, the reins of your tongue in his hands. Make him the captain who controls the rudder, so to speak. And then fill your heart with God work, God's word. Take time to, to be in the word, to read Proverbs, read James, read Ephesians 4, read Jesus' uh, teaching, and ask God to work in your speech the life-giving truth of his word and, and begin to practice those things. Be ruthless about cultivating honesty and gentleness and, and care and kindness and, and be accountable. Ask someone around you to hold you accountable. Husbands, what if you asked your wives... Are my conversations with you primarily encouraging or discouraging? It's a good question. Ask your kids. Do you feel like I listen well to you? Do you feel respected when I talk to you? And be ready to get an honest answer in order that God might work in you. Look to, a, look to be a person whom others desire to be around because from your mouth spring those words that overflow in life and that taste sweet. And as our lives are more and more rooted in the living word of Jesus Christ, then our own words will more and more spring forth with life. And so I invite you this morning, receive Christ's word of life. And then join me in being his ambassadors with our words to our families, to our brothers and sisters in Christ, to our neighbors, our classmates, to a world that is awash, awash with words that lead to death. May Christ abound in our conversation as we love and live by the sweet fruit of his word. Let's pray together. Father, few things in your word are as convicting in my own heart as these words Lord, daily I'm reminded of how excessive my speech is without me even giving thought to what's coming out. And Lord, each of us can see in our own lives those places where we have been fluent in careless words, words that hurt, words that build ourselves up by seeking to tear others down. So if we just come and we ask again your forgiveness, but we also give you thanks for your son Jesus Christ, who is indeed the word of life and who speaks words of life to us in his teaching, in all of scripture that points to him. And so Lord, fill us with your word. Make us people who overflow with life-giving speech and texts and emails and posts and conversations. Lord, help us to do all that we do to bring glory to you that others might come to know you. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.